This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 74, recorded on the 10th of October, 2014. Today's topic, helping the industry succeed. How can we use our resources and our knowledge to help all camps get better? If you would like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe in iTunes or use the free Stitcher app. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored in part by Camp Pros Like You, who support the show on Patreon. If you've got even one good idea from the Camp Hacker podcast, you could show your support for the show for as little as $1 per episode. We've got some great rewards too, just like a Kickstarter campaign. Please go to patreon.com slash camphacker. And by the Camp Owners and Directors Association. You provide quality camp experiences for children, helping them grow and gain independence. We help you achieve your vision. Check us out at campownersanddirectors.com. And by Camp Easy. To save on your listing in a camp directory that parents love, use the code CAMPHACKER for 70% off the price of a full camp registration. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Camp Hacker. My name is Travis Allison. I run a blog and a podcast network about managing a great summer camp with my partner, Beth, at camphacker.tv. Hi, my name is Dan Weir. I'm the director of camping services at Frost Valley YMCA. Frost Valley is a year-round camp conference education facility up in the Catskill Mountains. Uh, this was my 18th summer uh, working here this past summer at Frost Valley. My name is Joe Richards. I'm the executive director of Pierce Williams Christian Center, which is the United Church of Canada summer camp and retreat facility located in Fingal, Ontario, which is sort of halfway between Detroit and Toronto. And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Beth Allison, and I'm a camping consultant. My big passion is leadership training. I do a podcast for Camp Hacker called Camp Code, where we focus on leadership training. And uh, I write a lot of curriculum. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Gab sends regrets today, and we're lucky enough to uh, have Beth be able to step in at the last minute. So we're grateful for that. For those of you who are listening, um, would love it if you would take a chance and and take a chance, take a moment and rate our show. It helps us to spread the word of Camp Hacker and to let more camp professionals know about these awesome discussion, what we consider awesome discussions. Um, So if you would take a second, go to camphacker.tv slash iTunes. It'll open up your iTunes player and give you a chance there to to put in your rating and, and review of the show. It's really helpful. One of the things that's funny about iTunes is that um, you're, you're put into an iTunes store based on country. And so as a podcaster, you don't get to see the reviews from other countries. So I've had all these people say, oh yeah, I left reviews on there. But the only reviews I've seen are Joe's because he's also on the Canadian iTunes store. Um, but I found a little app that lets us see the iTunes reviews from other countries. So there's a whole bunch of people that we're going to be thanking over time for their awesome reviews, which we've never seen before until this week. So it was pretty, pretty great. Um, Joe, you suggested for the topic, the topic for today. So why don't I let you do the intro? Okay. So the topic today is helping the industry succeed. How can we use our resources and our knowledge to to help all camps get better? Um, last year, right around this time, I left for Australia and did a tour of 13 different uh, outdoor education and summer camp facilities in Australia. And I had um, a meeting in my first week there with a, a gentleman from the YMCA in the state of Victoria, which is around Melbourne. Um, Brandon Smith and we talked for hours about over dinner one night and then for another three hours the next day about the concepts that that he was trying to get their industry in the state of um, Victoria to uh, to go with and and one of those was this how do we help the industry succeed a lot of times we get so focused internally on what we're doing and we want our camp to to be the best it can be we can do a couple of things we can look at other people as competitors and not help them at all um and and he said one what really opened their eyes in the state of victoria as i understood it was that 
Um, a, a huge forest fire went through in 2009 and literally wiped out seven camps. And um, and only two of those camps rebuilt. And I visited one of those, King Lake Ranges. And um, and he said, listen, what we need to do is make sure the industry succeeds. Because if camps keep closing down, how are we going to succeed as an industry? And he said, one of the things we need to do is be able to give them resources to help them succeed. Because if 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 you're a parent and you send a camper to a camp and that camp sucks, then for you, camp all sucks. camps will suck. Mm. And, and that's what we need to avoid as a camping industry. So for camps um, who believe that they're doing what is right. So for Pierce Williams, we believe that we have a really strong program and a strong base, strong staff, great returning campers. But how do we use our resources, non-monetary, not monetary resources, but how do we use our resources, our knowledge and, and our resources to help other camps become better? And and that is where the, the premise of this discussion um came from and, and something I've been thinking about for almost the past year. Um, does that help give, give a, an explanation of where we're coming from? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> and I thank you for suggesting it, Joe. It's, it's, um, I, I think it's pretty safe to say it's a, a big passion of ours. Um, certainly Beth and I in, in starting Camp Hacker, but in the four of us in starting this show as well, we want to make sure that the industry rises. And, and a great example of how this this works and change in can change a whole industry. Uh, as many of you know, I, I also do some work as a professional photographer. And um, up until really the internet age, the in you know, in the 2000s, um, photographers really hid their methods, certainly before digital, um, they hid their methods, they, you know, would do their own little tricks and, and, you know, sort of make it proprietary what they were doing, so that um, no one else could copy them. And then with the digital age, they, um, there was a group of younger photographers who grown up digital, um, who began to share all of their ideas. And then um, and, and that completely changed what it meant to become a photographer. At that point, then photograph photography became something that was well known, it became um, better marketed, better developed, people looked after their clients better. And this the, um, the ability of the individual photographer to do good work just grew exponentially. Um, and we've had certainly had a good and bad we've had lots of new photographers because people are so willing to share and so i've seen it work not in not only in our industry which i think is good at sharing but um and, but also in another industry that was dying um completely turned themselves around because of of a, a general rising tide uh, philosophy that everybody carried through into uh in, into the industry can you, are there some examples that you have, or do you have any thoughts on, on the topic, Beth? Um, I, I just think that it's really important that, um, that we understand the concept of sharing. Right. It's something that camp people do better than anybody else. And uh, anybody that I've ever asked for things or ideas for things, they're just so willing to share. Um, and I think it's important that we don't wait to be asked, mm. that we get that stuff out there. Um, and that we we offer ourselves and our knowledge um, for sure. Uh, one of the examples would be Camp Pros is that uh, on Facebook that Travis started is that I often see it every day come through, but I don't always take the time to answer. Um, and then I kick myself because I haven't taken that time to answer. And I think um, if more of us did that simple task, um, we could share a bit more information. So. Um, I also think that, as you said, in this day of technology, there's no real excuse not to share anymore. It's just so easy. Right. Um, you know, when we've done Camp Code podcasts, we've started to do more interviews. And so in a couple of weeks, we're interviewing Dr. G. Um, so we're really excited about that. Um, and we've interviewed Tom Heck, and we have a number of other people um, who are quite famous in the camping industry. And all we did was ask them. And they said, absolutely, yes, when can we fit it in? Um, they didn't hesitate. They didn't say, yes, it'll cost you this much money. Um, they just said yes. Um, so it was great to have people who are so willing to, to get out there and do that sort of thing. Yep. 
So I think we're, we're really great at sharing at summer camp. Like we all talk about that. That's something that we do as camp people. Yeah. Um, but I think we just have to look at it in the broader sense, as Joe said, and not get just so focused on our own yes. um, camp, but, but do what we say, what we teach our kids and staff to do. It's, it's a bit more difficult than, than that. This is a conversation. My brother and I have the opportunity to go to a, a Michigan game at the Big House in Ann Arbor a couple of weeks ago. And, and he, my brother, Dan Richards, um, who's been on Camp Hacker, mm-hmm. um, is a past camp director and, and was a full-time person for almost 10 years in camping. And, and uh, he's now the chair of the board at a Kennesary camp, another United Church camp, and, which is my home camp, the camp my parents met at. And the conversation we had is how do you, how, how do I spread my knowledge to other camps locally that fall within my network, right? If if I'm going to help other camps, let's start with those ones that I know, right? I know the United Church camps in my, in my area, which there there might be too many, because um, <laughs> you know eight within a two-hour drive might be too many camps. But I'm I'm just you know who am I to say that, and. Um, one of the things is I said, you know, I have ideas to make everything better it, from my perspective as a camp professional. But until somebody tells me that's my job, I can't, there's only so much energy I can put into that, right? And that's, and some of that systematic change, some of that is is changing staffing, changing programming, all of those things. So I think when we talk about this, helping the industry succeed, we need to talk about other smaller things that aren't dramatic change, right? So mm-hmm. um, for a couple of examples, something like Think Camp, the conference that is it's coming up in November, Think Camp is the idea that you would come as a camp professional and share something that you're passionate about and learn something that other people are passionate about. So you're sharing that knowledge and learning. So that's one way to spread and help the industry succeed. Um, we also, I just put a grant proposal in for something called the Camp Counselor Institute. So um, a bit of history, a small history lesson. The Ontario government, the province of Ontario, used to have a um, a camp leadership center called Bark Lake, which ran from, oh, sometime in the 50s or 60s all the way up to 1995 is when they closed it. Bark Lake still exists. It was bought privately. Um, they still run some programs. But essentially, the concept there is that you would send counselors off to Bark Lake and they would get training in how to be a better camp counselor. And so this is something I did in the summer of 1990 and, and um, something that uh, a major donor of mine uh, did in like the summer of 1969. And, and he still talks about it to this day. And, and it's one of those things when I was doing a grant proposal, up, I was like, how do we share our knowledge? And what we're doing at, at Pierce is we've applied for a grant for something called the Camp Counselor Institute, which would essentially be a mini type Bark Lake where you would bring in a crew of, of camp counselors and train them on things that aren't site specific and aren't going to you know be policy specific with other camps, but to spread that resources and knowledge so that you can get a better experience for those campers no matter what camp those counselors are at. It, it's doing things of that nature which are um, spreading our knowledge versus trying to physically go in and, and change a camp because that's more more difficult and more time consuming right right so Dan I think a lot of the roots of how this show got started is that you and I were some of the first ones on on Twitter talking about yeah. summer camp and and starting to share ideas there so that's obviously been a passion of yours from very early in your career yeah I, I it's funny I so I've been like jotting down notes and I have like two lines of post-it notes um, and one column is all positives about this topic <laughs> and and great things that have been done in the, just the my recent time of being camp director and um, and then the other column is, is is my pet peeves and criticisms of of, uh, of this topic and I don't know where to start um, let's start with I, the positives uh, I promise we'll come back positive. to the, the pet peeves <laughs> okay so 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 I just want to um, point out some examples that I think are just um, incredible about our industry I used to work in advertising and um, it was pretty common to uh, for phone calls to end with cursing at each other um, <laughs> it was um, it was uh, pretty common for people to be stealing people's ideas ideas and not giving credit and and taking clients and 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 the huge um 
like these like little wars, little fractions. Um, and um, I don't notice that with camping um, at all. Um, there's definitely a tremendous amount of sharing. And so some of the organizations I've been part of or I've seen growing, um, I, I'm just so happy. Like, um, for instance, there's the New York State Summer Camp Directors Association, which um, uh, I'm a board member of. And it's 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 funny the the, the the chief topic they go after is making sure that nonprofit camps are not taxed for their land in in New York. And it, the board is primarily made of private camps. So these are people that right, are not right. benefiting. So there's there's a ton of people that are looking out for other camps and want people to be aware of the influence we could have on, on uh, our state capital with laws being crafted and, and and going back and forth. So that that's an organization I just I absolutely love and it needs to get become more public and the good work it's doing. Um, my CEO um, recognized that um, if you're a YMCA camp and you're not part of an association, uh, that uh, if there's a, actually 20 something, uh, I think it's 26 independent Y camps that that really don't have a support network. Um, he created a support network for them and they're launching a website for the independent YMCA Camp Alliance. I think that's the name. Um, the Summer Camp Pros Group, uh, I, I wish that was around. Um, when I started uh, doing this yeah. full time in yeah. 2007, I really wish I, I had so many questions my first two years and I didn't know where to go. And it was a lot of individual conversations and a lot of figuring out what worked. And now for people just to, you know, there's literally a dozen questions a day. I'm, I'm kind of blown away at it. And that's why I always kind of take the time um, if I see in my feed to answer. Um, and then the other is one on one with camp directors. Like, you know, there's, uh, there's, I've, I have not met a camp director yet who has turned me down for a tour. Mm. Uh, mm. And, and, and when they give me a tour, it's often with them. It's not with um, somebody that doesn't know their camp well or doesn't know the inside of their program. And on tours, they're, they're very candid. And I, I, for me, those are all huge positives for them to walk me through their operation um, at, uh, and to honor a tour. It's just awesome. And this is YMCA camps, non-YMCA camps, um, uh, a private camp down the road from us. Uh, it's always been very accommodating with uh, with giving tours. So for me, that's a huge amount of positives. Um, yeah, so those are all really great examples of what we do. Right. Um, and transitioning into the my criticisms. Um, well, hold on, Dan. Let me come back. Oh, Can we yeah, come yeah, back yeah, around to that? On. I think yeah, that yeah. there's some. I want to just want to separate it a little bit and see. Yeah, totally. Were there? Did you have other examples of? Examples of the sharing? Yeah, I think that because camp community or camp people build community, that we tend to do that outside of our own camps as well. So we, we tend to build community at conferences, um, you know, all those sorts of things. And I think that that's where we need to focus a bit more energy. That, um, you know, I love to attend conferences, not just for the sessions, but also for those meaningful conversations that happen over lunch or uh, over a beer later in the evening or that kind of stuff um, is really important. So offering yourself up to speak at a camp conference, mm -hmm. uh, if you have a, a great passion or great ideas, is really important. Um, you know, sharing sessions with other camps in your area. So during leadership training, right. uh, I've seen great things where, you know, one director at one camp is an expert on something and another camp director is an uh, expert on something else and they'll switch. So they'll go to each other's camps and or invite the camps uh, over together and offer different sessions. Um, it, it, I think that's been really fantastic. And also, you know, creating your own conferences. So Dan was talking about camps that are out there without an agency or without a religious affiliation or something um, to connect them. So um, I know Ruby in North Carolina at Green River, Green River Preserve, they have lots of camps in that area and they get together and have created their own thing. Um, so much of camping is grassroots anyway. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things is to continue on with that. Um, and, you know, Think Camp was started by camp people um, who wanted to do that. So um, doing that, I think, helps us hold ourselves accountable to being better. Right. Um, the other great thing I've seen a lot in camping is uh, mentoring uh, young directors, young and upcoming directors. So people um, meeting with, you know, once a month or um, twice a month or whatever it is, and just talking over uh, issues that you know the other camp director is going to understand, um, having that ear of somebody who's been there before who can offer some advice or just be a sounding board um, is really helpful. So having those uh, more experienced directors offering that support right. has been really great. Right. I think that to, to add to those positives that Dan mentioned, I think that, you know, it, the United Church Canada has always done 
when you when you're a camp director in the United States Canada, you're already connected to a network because there's 60 camps across Canada. There's a national conference. There's in London conference, which is where we are. There's, as I said, eight camps within a two hour area. And we get together two or three times a year as camp directors to chat. So you have that opportunity to, to talk to people. I think one of the, the greatest things in that I've seen is um, when I first started in camping, uh, full-time in 99, uh, it was connecting through volunteering for um, camp association things. So for the Ontario Camping Association, I joined the Human Resources Group, which was the best way to connect to people and has since gotten me jobs. Um, and, and it's that sharing that, that is helpful. And, and as Dan said, you know, something like the Facebook Pros Group, had that been around, so in 1999 when I started full-time, yeah, there are lots of questions and there's nobody with an answer, right? right? Because you're doing things and, and the industry at that time, when you're competing, when I was in private camping, you are very much competing with other people. That's the way they see it. And so you're trying to take campers from them. You're all sort of aimed at this pool of people and and they believe that we're all trying to get the the most market share of that pool. And I think that when when you break away from that sort of mindset to the helping, because there's, you know, you have to go with the premise that there's enough people for everyone, right? And and let's, how do we get more kids to camp, period, not just fight for these kids who have always come to camp. Um, and, and I see that in, in, you know, the people, mentors who share great ideas with with you or with with me have always been one of those um, that helps me to want to share with other people. So when right. when I have previous camp staff looking for camp jobs, I do everything in my power to try and find them and hook them up with people where they can they can try and find a full time job or they can get into camping and and we can answer those questions and and putting yourself out to speak at conferences, to write articles, to to be that. Um, to be that presence that that people can just find, um, and I'm always surprised. So on my website, years ago, I spent maybe three or four months putting a camp song up every Thursday. The, uh, I would record it, just audio, no video, and I'm still surprised at how many hits those camp songs get to this day. Right, and people are like, "Oh, that's a great song," you know, and and all I'm doing is singing songs from my, you know, from growing up at camp and. And it's just trying to be, yeah, it's just finding those people and making sure that we, we encourage other people to do the same thing is, is to be helpful and, and sharing and to make sure they understand that they have something to give. Because some people in our culture don't believe they have anything to add to the conversation and, and that is not right. And in, in our camp counselors have everything to add, right? So um, for us, we do that through our 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 choose your own adventure program or, uh, you know, campers have another outstanding skill. Those, those type of programs where you're, you let a counselor choose what they want to do. And that's the benefit of, you want to let, you want to give people the confidence to, to make sure they know they have something to share, um, and go about it. Right. Before we get to Dan's list. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I think it's an important one. Um, I also think that that we in our own camps need to really focus on raising that bar of professionalism so that we expect no less from our staff, we train our staff, we do whatever we can um, to get them to conferences or train them whatever money we've got to do that with, um, but to expect no less than being that true camp professional and make sure that our parents know that, our camp families know that, our organizations that we work for know that. Um, and getting that message out that we are camping professionals, that this isn't, you know, summer camp of meatballs or, yeah. um, you know, that sort of thing. And, and asking them to get that message out as well. So, you know, getting your staff to blog on your website um, to show the maturity and the love of camp that a 17 or 18 or 19 year old has. Um, you know, getting campers to share that message as well, but really raising that bar and making sure everybody knows that that's what we've done and that that's our purpose. Right. I think is important because there's just still too many people out there um, that when you say summer camp, they think Bill Murray and right. and meatballs and shenanigans. Right. Well, and so I, I facilitated a meeting of 
the top leaders in Presbyterian camping in North America this week. And we, um, one of the first things that came up in our, you know, just me introducing the topic and saying, what are the things you want to talk about this week? What do you want to make sure we cover um, to get a bit of direction from them? One of the first things that came up is, is the word camp bad? Um, and, and the reason we ask that is because um, there are so many bad examples of people running camps. There's so many um, movies that spoof this. Um, one of the one of the directors was talking about people twice come onto site um, to shoot movies, and um, and they actually used cabins that had been condemned that were scheduled to be torn down because the new nice clean bright cabins didn't represent camp um and so they had to hold off on um shooting these movies because they needed the raggedy old run they had to hold off on tearing the cabins down because they needed them for the movies um and the other thing that came out of that too is um when you say camp food um people automatically have an impression of that and the only way that we can help the industry to succeed is to start to show that camp food of the 70s and 80s in pop culture is not camp food of today um no camp can get away with um with that um it's you know it's it's totally different we we cater to the needs of our 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 campers and staff in in a much better way joe you sounded like you might have had something to add to that no i i just think that we we discussed this on the last camp hacker the idea yeah. that if you start from scratch would you call it a camp right right and and i think that people's perception of what there is is um and and i was thinking about the was that the nbc series two summers ago mm. called camp oh, yeah. where they yeah. it was a family camp and it was it was you know i think that what we do and what people think we do is is yeah I think that there's a, a a big divide in in perceptions, and it's it's one of those things where when you're heavily involved in something, you think everybody knows. Right. And the reality is, exactly. they don't know. No. Um, but I think that that's that's part of the trick with helping other people as well is this idea that um, there are camps out there who aren't members of associations who are. And for whatever reason, they're running something they call a camp, but it's not following any of the standards that we know and follow. Um, and I, I think we need to help. We need to help everybody, all of those people, right? So, to focus back on helping the industry succeed, because if if a camper goes to that camp and it sucks, as I said, it, it, camp always is going to suck for that family, right? There's there's no option there. So. Um, all of this sharing is great, but it's how do we make sure that everybody gets it, it, the my challenge is how do you make sure you reach those camps that right, might not consider themselves a professional member of camping right. yeah and that um the board I sit on uh for Niska, that is a, a constant conversation is um in New York state, if you have a single purpose. Um, camp, meaning like if you just run a basketball clinic and call it camp, you're not withheld to the same standards mm -hmm. as a summer camp. So that means um, everything from uh, background checks on staffing right. to um, DOH regulations with your kitchen. Um, you know, like there's there's a ton of good things that need to be followed for for a reason uh, for children's safety. And um, uh, so that that board is very committed to. Uh, to pursuing, uh, to pursuing that, to pursuing and getting people to be held to the same standard, but it's 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 crazy, you know. Like the there's nothing stopping the Taekwondo um, dojo from running a camp. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a camp where kids get beat up all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pay to get beat up. <laughs> so, um, so our audience naturally are the sharers. They're the ones that seek out other camp pros to learn from. And they're the ones, our audience knows this already. Um, I, and one of the neat effects I think of camp pros because on Facebook beca is because that number is so big now, we're approaching 3,700 people. Um, now I think we're reaching into, doing a better job of reaching into those that mm -hmm. aren't aren't already connected that aren't already volunteering that aren't already speaking and we're we're demonstrating through our actions us as a whole group not 
not this small group here, but the, the whole group of camp professionals, um, is demonstrating through our actions how camp can be better by sharing. And uh, and I, I think that that's pretty, pretty awesome. But does anyone have any other ideas of how we can get beyond the people who already know this and do this? That, that's like that's actually one of my criticisms is that um, that there's a there's not enough camps that want to contribute, you know, and not enough camps that want to be part of it. Um, and, uh, it ends up being, um, a little, it ends up being self-serving, you know, you get the information you need and then you remove yourself from the community. Right. And, I, and yeah, I, it's exactly what Joe was saying. If we, if, you know, I, I'm in the New York Metro area, which is a, uh, a lot of camps consider it a competitive market and I don't because there's so many kids right. um, you know I consider it as if we just got one more percent of Manhattan to go to camp we would all be full you know and yeah. and it's just it's funny that people automatically go back to this we're competing versus each other maybe again this is with my my advertising background where I you know we there was enough clients to go around we didn't really have to compete you know like it, there was competition but you really um, if you're separating yourself from the crowd and you're doing it well, you not only have something to share with the rest of the group, um, but you're not really competition. It's what you do. You know, like we, for instance, um, we run sports at our camp, but uh, we're not the best soccer player or best football player coach is not coming here to run a clinic. And so if parents are looking for that, I direct them down to the camp down the road. There's a fantastic camp half hour from here that runs great sport clinics. And, and I literally direct them there. Um, and it's, it's recognizing that, um, that we all have a, something we do really well and, and owning that instead of trying to, um, shift ourselves to, to every child in that sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you always talk, Travis, about telling the stories and mm-hmm. I think it's, if we continue to tell the stories, then maybe we can reach more of those camps that aren't necessarily, uh, connected to other organizations and but they'll start to hear from us through other ways other venues and avenues and um, feel like they're missing out like oh there's this movement to you know make camping um, available to every child and right. one w- that every child would want to go to and every parent will want to send their child to um, and they want to make things better and as uh, Dan just said for every child so not a competitive um, situation, but finding the right fit um, for the right camp, and maybe just by continuing to tell the stories. I know it's not a, you know, a great plan, but it, it helps. I think because um, more can hear the stories and and then want to be a part of that movement. Well, and, and that's certainly something I've been thinking about a lot in the last few months of how we get better, how we help people get better at telling stories, um, because. Um, I, I, this group certainly knows this, but we as human beings connect through stories. And I'm trying to get camps to stop saying, you know, two to one ratio, nestled down by the river, traditional camp, all those bloody blood statements, and just start with stories. And I think you're right, Beth. I think if we can tell our own stories and teach others how to tell stories about camp, about what transformations happen at camp, um, the effect that it's had, um, there are, I'm sure there are hundreds of people who would say that camp saved their life. Um, and I mean, that's the extreme example of stories. The little examples of, you know, camp taught me how to tie my shoes or to stay away from my parents. Stay away <laughs> with, without my parents. <laughs> I, I would say, um, I would say... Uh, that's one thing, um, and this is a generalization. Um, yeah. That's one thing that the private camp sector um, could learn well from the nonprofit sector, because the nonprofit sector uh, of camping has to be able to convey those stories to get donors. Um, any camp that has a successful fundraising has to be able to convey the impact it has on their kids. And I think some private camps, um, not all, definitely not all. I've met some fantastic private camps. I've seen some fantastic private camps that really get this. Um, they look past the bells and whistles. They look past the new water slide that, you know, shoots the kid across the lake or, you know, the new motorboat or whatever, whatever new thing you're getting for camp. And they, they really get to the essence of what camp is providing for a child and know how to articulate it. Um, 
you know, I think that's something that really needs to be reiterated over and over and over again. And I think uh, Joe was saying earlier that, you know, he put out the camp songs and he, he still can't believe the number of hits that it gets. It doesn't have to be something that you've spent 10 years creating to get it out there and make it perfect. Um, Gab is always saying to us on Camp Code that, you know, just get it out there, just put it together and get it out there. And so it doesn't have to be this huge uh, commitment or, you know, lifelong project, but little bits and pieces, even 60 second, yeah. you know, pops on YouTube of lists of things that camp directors need to think about is really helpful. So it doesn't have to be the big thing. You can do lots of little things to, to really share. Right. That's back to that expression. Perfect is the enemy of good enough. Right. <laughs> um, if we're waiting for perfect, then it won't never get done. Well, and this goes, uh, it, it, maybe it was a couple of years ago, Travis, you and I talked about the one minute, the one minute podcast, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. uh, and, and you always, you said to me, the few I sent you said, um, why are you always on the beach? Like, why, why can you always hear waves in the background? And because that's when it's time, that's when I have time to think about yeah, it and, and I have somewhere to record it and sharing those moments. That's the, that's the thing, right? Is that, um, there's so many things and and I think that I think that to just get started you know the the quote that is the wallpaper on my phone right now is um, I just saw a buddy post on Facebook is um, start where you are use what you have do what you can right, right? and that's what we need to do and and I think that um, I think that everything that we're doing as as camp packer as a group of camp professionals as think camp people at right like trying to spread out stories is really important when i was in new york for a fundraising workshop that's the whole thing you can't raise money in yep. right oh <laughs> profound a story that connects to people and this is it you can't get kids to come to camp unless you have a story right yeah so it's 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 a um it's it's a very um intense thing right and and as and this is going to sound funny as we get older as camp professionals and we are now the middle of that camping pack mm -hmm. we are no longer the young camp people right there's there's a whole group of people in their 20s and 30s who are younger than i am who need to learn these things and and need to have that sharing and, and they're raised in a very different place but i still think that our challenge is is sharing getting everybody to believe that sharing is fine and that that if we as an industry don't get behind the fact that we need to improve the entire industry you know then then we're not going to do good work you know it's dan dan made the comment that um there was an organization that was saying you know, no property tax on nonprofit camps. And in my mind, and in a note, in Evernote, I wrote, why isn't the OCA working on this for us? Right. Right? Like, why isn't the Ontario Camping Association behind that initiative? Yeah, like, get get all of our property tax exempt if you're a nonprofit camp. Right. That's awesome. That helps the industry. And I think that our associations try and pass on this knowledge but they're sometimes are uh, hampered by uh, the politics within an association. Mm -hmm. This is the same way I have a gentleman in my local town who um, who says, "I try not. I try my best to avoid working with the city council because <laughs> nothing gets done." All right. Mm -hmm. So in St. Thomas, uh, Ontario, which is the known as the railway capital of of North America in its heyday. Um, they're they're trying now. This group of of people is trying to make uh, Canada's first elevated park over, uh, it, and it's this huge uh, railway bridge that's probably three hundred feet. You know, I I don't know the measurement, but it's really high in the air, and they want to make it into an elevated park. And I'm like, get on that. That yep. is awesome. You know, and it's those ideas that that make profound change. And and we. There's lots of there's lots of ideas I have that can change camps, but but if I, unless I'm going to be there every day to to initiate that change, what what are the ideas and resources I can give that that and so that that can improve those camps without right. without me being there every day. I think all these factors come together, and and this happens in 
different eras of of culture generally is that all these things come together and, and now is the time because the tools are cheap and it's easy to do and sure it takes us a couple of hours to put together a podcast episode um, but we would never have been able to run our own radio show about summer camp um, with a you know HD quality video 20 years ago and here we're doing it the cost is is each of our time um, and a couple hundred bucks a year to do it so it's now's the time to do that sort of stuff. Dana, Dana, I'm, I want to come back to your list. What are the your yeah. other pet peeves? Um, all right, so my my pet peeves. Um, I'll try to go a little bit slow because I think we we've been touching upon them. Yeah. But, uh, I definitely want to talk about them too. So um, a lot of camps have trouble admitting their faults, right. um, and I think this is uh, part based in competition, um, part based in um, uh, and this is a weird perception of camp, um, but I think in order for you to progress as a camp professional, um, you have to have a little bit of an ego, right? In, in order to be the person that would be in front of uh, a large group of people and sing a camp song, you have to you have to have a little bit of, of pride and into yourself. And so I think sometimes those characteristics play into not admitting faults as well too. Um, I don't mean that in any sense of the negative part of, of, of the word. Um, but I also, um, I really watch gossip happen, um, as well. Uh, you know, it's, I, I try to explain this industry to the people that aren't in it and I'm like, well, you know, the camp gossip that I have to deal with during the summer of who hooked up with who, or who's, who's, you know, getting this or who's getting that. Um, we kind of have to deal with that in a year-round professional setting just with adults, you know, and it's um, um, in our industry as a whole, not necessarily even just in the year-round office at a camp. I'm talking about, um, you know, we get a bunch of camps together and people know each other and that sort of thing. There is a, a there is gossip um, and there is perceptions, and I think people want to maintain a high perception. At the same point in time, I think there's a huge power in admitting your faults. I know for, for us, you know, um, we're a very large camp. And um, we've been running a program for quite some time. So whenever I admit a fault in a room, people are like, oh, my God, I didn't know you dealt with that, too. And I'm like, yeah, uh, we definitely deal with it. We are not perfect at all. So it's, it's interesting um, to see how we're not great at admitting our faults. Um, some people, I think it, you know, I think we've been saying it the whole time, there's the people that want to admit it and want to improve. And there's the there's some people that just enjoy denying it and moving forward and having that polished look. But um I did. I think it's moving in the right direction. I saw. Uh, I saw a session at the Northeast Y Camp Conference called um, uh, called the Smackdown, and basically they emailed out to the conference participants before camp, and they said we have an expert panel, and if some camp is struggling and needs help, um, uh, bring your camp uh, forward with a presentation. You give a presentation to the room about 10, 15 minutes, and then this panel is going to give you advice, and it was moderated um, by. Uh, Thad Gifford-Smith from YMC Camp Cone was just amazing. And, um, yeah, he's just a great guy. And so the it was it was awesome. It was awesome to watch. And the camp that was getting the advice, um, it was literally five experts giving them invaluable advice for an hour. And they, someone else was actually taking notes for them. Um, and, uh, I mean, these, these two camps, they did one for day camp and one for resident camp, um, they were really struggling and really needed help. But uh, it was interesting um, to see – uh, people sitting back in the audience, um, uh, like saying they either had the same problem or kind of gasping at some of the problems that were coming up. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I literally stood up and was like, look, it takes a lot of courage to actually present all your dirty laundry up here. <laughs> and you, we all have issues at our camps and we're just trying to, to provide a better camp experience. So I, I, I think it's moving in the right direction, but it's a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, you know, when people admitting faults and not, and you know, they'll admit them in small group, but they won't admit them in a large group. And, you know, it's just, it's funny to watch. It's very funny to watch. Um, yeah. So that's number one on my list. Um, well, actually only have a, um, and I have one more other one, but, but yeah. Um, Go the other one us. is, yeah, the other one, you know, so I lead, I lead sessions at, at conferences and, um, you know, there's always the difference of a session that's theory versus practical application. You know, the, the session that's talk, talking about the background information you need, uh, versus the, um, you know, Travis, the one you run on YouTube, like your top 10 things to do and with YouTube videos, you know, that that's practical application. You can t walk away right then and act out in your, your next YouTube video. And, um, I, 
like I, I watch a not a large amount, but I watch some people just want the quick solution. Right. I think um, they come up to you afterwards and they're like, just just tell me how to do it right now. Like give me like you know just or I'll pay you. Just let you write this for me. Or um, it's really interesting. I, I really think that. Uh, our industry, and we talked about this too, is you know time management as well. But I, I think we we we're hesitant to move forward because we just want the quick and easy solution instead of having the painful discussion and really putting everything out on the table. And I'm always happy to hear when when camps are taking a hard look at something. Um, and the best camps I know are, are camp directors that um, are not afraid to ask those challenging questions and to put it all out on the table. Um, you know, I think, I think that is really the, my other pet peeve of, of the, of sharing and kind of boosting the industry is the people that really don't want to move forward or the people that <laughs> want to just take advantage of it and not, and not, uh, give back. So helping the industry succeed, we all then have to actually walk the walk. Right. Because, yeah, yeah, exactly. because as camp directors, we say all of these things that you just said, you know, no gossip, no uh, you know, making fun of people or being stunned when they tell us a problem or a fault or, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is what we teach our kids and this is what we yeah. teach our staff, how we teach them to behave. And so as professionals, we have to not just talk the talk. I think that's right. important yeah. to raise we the bar. serious issues upcoming. I mean, like, you know, like it, there's the year-round schooling versus the summer, uh, you know, moving away from that. Uh, you know, there's there's not enough diversity, especially mm -hmm. for camps um, in the U.S. You know that uh, uh, culturally we're not serving high Hispanic population as much as we should, and uh, America's only becoming more diverse. So it's it, it, there's some major issues that need smart people talking about, and everybody can contribute to that discussion. I hear from private camps all the time that their uh, their customer base is shrinking. Right, it's getting harder and harder to find the mm -hmm. family that will pay to go to camp. And when I talk to families, um, the, one of the reasons they choose my camp is because it's not just a white kid on the cover. You know, they, right. that there's a mix of kids. So I think there's, there's some really um, big topics that need to be talked about. But it takes admitting our faults, you know, and admitting mm -hmm. that we've been, might have been doing it wrong for the past 100 plus years. You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we've been doing it wrong for the past 100 plus years, but if Definitely. there are, but but we're not changing really yeah. i think is what you're saying and we're not we're not changing as everything else changes um i say that all the time in presentations my mother could go back to camp and feel comfortable fit right in no really understand the rhythms of it uh, exactly from when she went to camp in the 50s and but if she went back to her college where she got her nursing diploma it would be unrecognizable for her like it would be so much has changed and we just just got stuck in 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 the old rhythms the old way of doing things some of those things so thanks for sharing those dan i think those are were awesome it's funny it's thoughtful it, it's funny years ago when i was at the taylor satin camps and we were tearing down a, a lodge to build a new lodge and there was a library and my camp director said, okay, well, we're just going to throw a bunch of these books out. And I said, hey, hey, hey I'll, I'll, I'll take some of those books. Some of them needed to be gone. But there was this treasure trove of camping books from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Like awesome. literally, you know, Camping in Character by Henry S. Dimmick. And, and just uh, I probably have about 15 books that I, um, that I got from that collection. And, and that is the thing that that you yeah we haven't changed the same issues they address in these books in 1920 1930 1940 are the same issues that we're discussing today mm -hmm. for a lot of the you know the kids and behaviors at camp and a lot of that's not going to change because we're still dealing with kids right but i agree dan that we need to get smart people talking about yeah. these ideas because if we don't those camps are going to be left behind and and when I sit around with my board of directors and I say, here are the issues we need to think about to be viable and relevant into the future as a camp, my board's like, those are good issues. We do need to think, we do need to talk about those. And we as a board do. But as, you know, some camps, some boards more so than camping professionals, some people who run, some of those groups who run camps simply don't have the foresight to see these things coming. It's going to happen. They're going to feel like it came out of nowhere. And I'm going to be like, 
you were just blind. Right. Like you, you didn't, we've been dealing with this for the past 20 years and you, you say you didn't see it coming. Like, how do we, how do we help? How do I help you if you can't help yourself at all? Right. It's, it's, it's this challenge. And, and, um, yeah, camping is, uh, camping is a passion, right? Uh, many people we meet in camps have a passion for what camp is. And I, and the more people I see sharing on, on camp pros and, and whatnot, the more people I, I feel have that passion, but there are, as you said, those people who just want to take and never give back, mm -hmm. right? It, they want to, they want the quick fix and and I do sessions to sometimes to help that. I'm doing a session for a friend of mine at the ACA National, and and it's fifty ide forty ideas in, um, you know, in some. It's actually over like four or five hours, so you actually get a bit more into it. But I remember a session that Saul Birnbaum ran, which was like a hundred things in yep. in forty minutes, and and it was great. Yep. But once again, it, it doesn't get into the reason for those things sometimes. Oh, that's I think, you know, it's funny. So uh, on the on the conference side of running conferences, those sessions are more well attended. Um, they're better rated um, uh, by people as well when you could give a list. And uh, and I've led those sessions with Joanna and I actually they're great They're We still get into theory. Um, you know, we put the theory right after we, we tell them what to fix. But it's. Um, it's funny. It's you know the, the there is a you know there is a substantial amount of people that that's what they want. Right. So um, I just wanted to check in and see if there's any final thoughts. We've we've gone a little bit longer than usual because the conversation has been so thoughtful and wise and and awesome. Dan, did you have any any wrap up thoughts on this topic? No, I you know I. Um... Despite my my the last portion of my criticism, yeah. I really think things are moving in the right direction. Um, yeah. uh, I really believe that more people are willing to share and willing to look out for each other. And I think uh, I I'm, I'm noticing just colleagues that I've been working with for for years be more willing to share everything as well. And I think Good. I think a lot of it's just extending your hand across the aisle to really you you taking that first step. Um, admitting your faults and sharing the good things that you're doing, and um, but yeah, but I'm, I, it is moving in the right direction. It's it is positive. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. How about you, Joe? Any any wrap up thoughts? My wrap up thoughts are that we need you just need to start sharing, and and you need to we as an industry need to not be afraid of our resources. Uh, a lot of our ideas and whatnot are already out there, and you need to be there to help. And as someone who's called a camp director up, when I was in Australia, I literally was driving to a camp when I called a camp director and said, can I come for a tour? And they said, for sure. You know, and, and it's doing things like that and just being like, don't be afraid to help because helping is going to help our industry. Helping is going to, you know, to get us through a whole bunch of serious issues, which we need to talk about. Yeah. Nice. I think this is a funny wrap up for me, but use technology. Um, it's just, it makes it so easy. So, um, you know, you can talk to people, you can uh, interview people who, who aren't in the same country as you, let alone the same city or the same room. Um, and it's free. So, um, you know, get those interviews, maybe from camping professionals, put them on your website. Uh, ask if you can interview somebody who is an expert in uh, missing home and get that on your website. So use technology to your advantage um, and use your staff and their knowledge of technology right. um, to your advantage and get those stories out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be my wrap up thought too, is is there are lots of resources out there. So if you could be the person, if you're not the person who's comfortable producing mm -hmm. stuff all the time, yeah. then you could be the connector then you can be the one who's sharing and, and is contributing in that way. And I think as, as Dan and I mean, Dan and Joe and I were on Twitter talking about camp early, early. And what connected us is we were all just sharing little ideas and articles and things that we saw that would help each other out. And that's how our friendships developed. And that's how, um, that's how so much of what we've talked about today has come out of those little moments of, hey, I saw this cool thing that would fit you, or this would really be cool if, if it was done in the camp industry and people just willing to put it out there. Yeah. 
So thank you all very much for uh, an awesome conversation. Uh, I'm going to now, um, oh, if you did appreciate this conversation and got something out of it, um, we are we are trying to share these things and, and because we want people to listen to them. So if there's an idea that, that's, that did stick out to you and you want to make sure others um, hear it, then uh, I really encourage you to go to camphacker.tv slash love. Um, and that'll put out a tweet there on your on your Twitter and put it out there. I know Twitter is just one small way that you can do it, but if you share the podcast with people that would would uh, would benefit um, with those camps that you think are kind of insular, but you might have a friend who's directing there, um, and pass this stuff on. It's we're putting it out there so as many people as possible can can do that. One easy way is to go to campacker.tv slash love. So then uh, I think now it's time for us to move on to our tool of the week. Tool of the week. So for those of you who are watching us on YouTube for the first time, or maybe have had this podcast shared <laughs> to you by a friend, um, every podcast we talk about and share a tool that helps us become a better camp director and um joe what i want to do is start with you and and yours because this is a new old tool <laughs> yeah it is a new old tool so my tool of the week is raccoon circles uh the concept the the quick history of raccoon circles is years ago tom smith uh dr tom smith was working with disenfranchised aboriginal youth and uh, his Indian name was Raccoon, and he used uh, circles of rope, um, and they became known as Raccoon's Circle. Um, thus, Raccoon Circles. Jim Kane put a book out with Tom Smith years ago, and it's essentially a piece of climbing webbing, tubular climbing webbing, 15 feet long, and you can do over 200 activities with it. I, I'm reminded about it today because we use it every day during the summer. It's one of those tools of the week that you forget about because it's so at here at Pierce Williams it's so innocuous it's it's a line it's a circle it's an activity it's team building it's it's so many different things and I used it yesterday with a group of high school kids um, about 200 high school kids that were that are on site here and um, did led some basic programming with it and I was reminded of how awesome it is to have people when you connect up to a circle with two hands they pay a lot more attention because they have nowhere to fiddle right they're holding the raccoon circle it's you've got their attention and and there's so many activities you can do years ago i did a whole um two-day leadership program with um grade seven eights and nines uh about 25 of them and i challenged myself to only do team building with raccoon circles and it was uh, it's totally doable and it was totally amazing so there's a, a link to a free download of uh, the Raccoon Circle document, and then there's also uh, there'll be a link to uh, the book to purchase as well. Thanks, Joe. Dan, you've got uh, a cool one to send too. Yeah. Um, so um, every um, so every few months in my year-round office, we read a book together um, to really kind of keep us focused. Also, just uh, having meetings, um, you know, it's something, it's nice to talk about something new and, mm -hmm. and talk about theory, um, in, in meetings as well. So we're right now we're reading, um, homesick and happy, which is by Michael Thompson. And if you don't know Michael Thompson, he speaks at a number of camp conferences. Uh, he has written raising Kane, the pressure child. He, um, is a psychologist. He's worked at boarding schools. He speaks around the world. Um, and he has a huge passion for camp. He's also a great writer and extremely humble. Um, and so he, uh, um, he's written this book, and it's all about um, how a child needs to spend time away from their family in order to grow. And the reason we're reading it is uh, um, I think we have a lot of discussions with families where they need reassurance, and they and they bring it up in these in-context ways. They uh, they they will ask about who's being with your with their kid in terms of staffing. They want to know um, you know when the meals are. Um, they they ask in these little ways that are kind of benchmarks. But what they're really trying to get at is like, do you understand uh, why this is important for my child and why I'm valuing it? So um, the book's phenomenal. Um, I also also posted a, a link to a video in case. Um, you don't know if you want to read the book or if you um, kind of want like a sample. The actually the video is almost exactly the first chapter of the book, but I'm just reading it right now. It's um, Dr. Michael Thompson: Eight Things Parents Cannot Do for Their Children But Wish They Could, um, and it's a it's a great it's about an hour long. You just put it on in the background and listen to it. But um, but 
Yeah, just understanding how much uh, we're doing to build a child's independence and create a second family for a child is, is really important. And, and having the right language in order to articulate that, I, I believe in that too. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great read. Awesome. And um, we'll also put a link in the notes. I had a chance to interview Michael at Tristate a couple of years ago and, and got yeah. some great, great stuff from him. It was, it was an awesome interview. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Dan. Yeah, no problem. Beth, what's yours? Um, well, Simon Sinek is really quite famous for his book, Start With Why, and I highly recommend that if you really want to learn how to tell your story in the best possible way for your camp. But his latest book is My Tool of the Week, and it's called Leaders Eat Last. Um, and this particular book really focuses on how to make everyone feel that they belong, to foster trust and cooperation, and then how to ensure that all the energies are devoted then to facing the common challenges and seizing really big opportunities. So if you're interested in the books, but you want to start learning about some of the things Simon says right away, um, you can go to YouTube and Google him there. And um, he has lots of videos, including Start With Why um, and Leaders Eat Last. He does portions of that there. Um, and uh, a great one that's How Great Leaders Inspire Action. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, good one. I also have seen a recent-ish recent interview, like when he was doing the book tour for um, Leaders Eat Last, on a video project called The Good Life Project. It was an hour-long interview with him, and it was intense and emotional and, and just so powerful how passionate he is about um, the ideas of leadership and, and really how awesome it would be to, to, uh, to include that thinking in your um, the way you deal with your camp staff. So, um, my tool is something that I wish I had when I was site management was part of my job as a camp director. And I don't know why I didn't know about this. And I also don't know why I know about this today, but we got <laughs> shipped, um, somebody sold their mailing list. Uh, we got shipped the Uline catalog. And, um, this is so many things that I wasted so much money on, like things you could buy at, um, at wholesale prices, as a, a an organization that has a physical site to look after, you need garbage bags, you need, um, man, all these different things that are available in here. And I, you know, we spent a lot of money on, on this, or either ordering off the truck and not getting good prices, and also just not getting exactly what we needed. So I highly recommend you go to uline.com, or if you're in Canada, it's uline.ca. Um, and even now, I went through the catalog and folded over the pages of cool things that would have helped me as a camp director then. Because <laughs> I was like, man, I didn't know that was available. That would have made things so awesome. Um, so I would definitely recommend you get on their mailing list and get their fall and winter 2014 and 15 catalog. Uh, because there's so many great things. Um, just in terms of uh, how you organize how you organize parts in your shop to how you um, you know how you clean up spills or pack stuff or over and on and on and on. Um, this a lot of this stuff fits into the discussion or the the session that Jack shot from Camping Coast and Coast and I talk about how to organize your stuff to reduce waste and sometimes the the, the systems to do that um, can be found in something like the Uline catalog. So hope you check that out. It's, it was a good one. All right, so um, I we hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, we'd be so grateful if you would subscribe to the YouTube channel by clicking on the button down below. Um, and, uh, and and again, pass us on. We really appreciate that there are so many people that listen to us uh, and got so much out of it. We got some great feedback this week. What I will do uh, starting next time is I'm going to start calling out people who leave good reviews because there are some, some really great five-star reviews on iTunes that we just now found out about. So <laughs> grateful for that. So uh, if Dan, if people want to find out more about you or what you do, how can they follow you on the internet? Yeah, um, so I'm available at Dan Loves Camp on Twitter, as well as I um, uh, put up some of my presentations on danlovescamp.com, and I'm also available at frostvalley.org as well. Uh, yeah, and I'm in the Summer Camp Pros group pretty frequently. Yeah. So. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, Thank Joe, you. how about you? Well, you can follow me on... Uh, Twitter at YoYoJoR, or you can go to my website, YoYoJoYoYoJoE.com, and you can find out uh, everything that's going on at Pierce Williams um, by going to CampIsBetter.com. And uh, yeah, I try to be around. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> right on. But 
our website is campacker.tv and you can email me directly at beth at campacker.tv. And check out Beth's um, Camp Code podcast, which is in the shows section of campacker.tv. You can find it at the top there. Um, they've heard some of the new shows for this year and they are awesome. And some great stuff coming out. So thank you for being on. <laughs> You're welcome. Filling in with us too. It's nice <laughs> to have some show crossover. Um, some more show crossover. Obviously, Gap, Gap crosses over quite a bit. So thank you very much to those of you who have listened. Those of you who have watched it on YouTube. We, we really appreciate this. Um, it's great to spend an hour talking camp with smart people. And we're also grateful to have an audience to listen to us do it. <laughs> so we really do thank you. Thanks for the evening, friends. <laughs> The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.